0: Paradigm. This is the paradigm of culture. Absolutely. This is the exactly the paradigm of cultural ethos. What does culture do? Culture says respect externally, officially. Now your your privacy is your privacy. Yes, you, you should be an Indian in heart. But, you know, that might take time or take forever or never come, who knows. But it is important to institutionally be an Indian, an Egyptian, a Palestinian. Now, so the way we deal with the Sira of the Prophet is an acculturation of the Sira itself. We transform the Sira into a part of our social-cultural ethos But not in a positive fashion, not by injecting it in the fabric of society, but by treating it as a cultural phenomenon of institutional and official significance, but as to the truly transformative part of that sira, it is idealized and segmented and placed in suspension. So, here the Prophet and we notice again that upon the conversion of Umar ibn al-Khattab or Abu Bakr or Hamza, the number of times, and this is another this is something that you can check in sera yourself. There is something that strikes you that is that is often fascinating. To you. The Prophet ﷺ proclaimed law, proclaims laws. But the number of times that he is talking about the transformative aspects far far outweigh far outweigh the number of times that he is talking about institutional loss. But Look at the number of times he is correcting someone. No one has ever written about that or noticed that, but it is a crucial point. Look at the number of times that the Prophet (laughs) corrects someone. Any correction in the law most of the time, the vast majority of times, is not initiated by the Prophet. The Prophet is asked about it. So a woman will come and say, how do I clean myself after my period? I have prayed in such and such fashion, is it correct? I have done this and that, is that right? And it is far infrequent where the Prophet ﷺ actually comes to someone and says, "Ah, your your hand is wrong. Don't put your hand this way. Don't put your feet this way." And in fact, there are reports, not very reliable, not very strong reports, but. That he comes and he cor- he corrects people who pray outside the jamaah But you can you can reflect upon this by the studying of Sirah yourself, and you are amazed. You will be amazed that most of the institutional correct corrections are. Um. Um. Uh. uh um. The word I'm looking for. Um are instigated, or initiated, initiated by people asking. Now the moral corrections, the the transformative corrections, are from him. That's what he is often going to people to and talking about, when he sees signs of hatred, signs of laziness, cowardliness, misery, stinginess. This is when he is… there is no gradualism in his character. There is no incrementalism in his approach. He is gradual and incremental in the way the people are obeying the institutional laws. And is remarkably patient. And some of the laws weren't even revealed till the very last year of his life. And when he says, I command you to do something, do of it what you can. As much as you can. But when he talks about the transformative aspects that differentiate between a moral human being and an immoral human being, there is no compromise or in betweens. That he is extremely steadfast about. <sighs> a completely different paradigm. A completely different Way of reading the seerah. In fact, what you notice is that it's the complete opposite of what we have today. Okay, can we take a break? What, what time should we stop? Why who?
1: <coughs> Are
0: you ready? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rahman Rahim. Okay. Now it is important to recall that the Prophet ﷺ spends in Mecca, already half of the period of his prophethood, or slightly more than half, and then he migrates to Medina where his institutional history continues, but more importantly, his personal history, his non-institutional history continues as well. That the period he spends in Mecca is Period in which we have little institutional history, little official history, but we have a wealth of information about his personal history. In Medina, we have both. We have a wealth of information both about him as a person and institution. Now, we often repeat the statement that the Prophet is our example. The Qur'an makes it very clear that following the Prophet means loving the Prophet, and that the failure to love the Prophet is a defect in men. The Qur'an talks about obeying the Prophet, But if you go through the Quran again, and look at the new, at the the occasions, or at the times in which the Quran, in which Allah talks about obedience to the Prophet, as opposed to loving, following or endearing the Prophet, you are struck again, by a, the, the same dichotomy we find between gradualism in the official history and the, the official laws and um, uh, non-gradualism as far as the basic morality is concerned. <laughs> So we find that Allah speaks endearingly about the Prophet. We find that Allah emphasizes that God has sent a message to a man who is beautiful. That Allah holds the Prophet dear for the Prophet's qualities. But even even more that Allah conveys us the imperative of understanding what this man, what this example means in our life that when the Qur'an comes to speak about obeying the Prophet in the sense of official obedience, it is often in the context of an institutional occurrence in history. So after the Battle of Badr or the Battle of Uhud or some other public Function that takes place in Medina, but when it talks about following it Tabar Rasul, when it talks about following the Prophet and Rasul, it is not occasioned by an institutional incident, but is general and it is emphasised as the imperative to being on the road of truth, on the road to God. And that is why when Allah tells those who believe those who believe to pray and invoke His blessings, on the Prophet, the question of course in our mind is does the Prophet in any way need our statement? Well obviously it doesn't. The Prophet doesn't. Obviously, this statement in itself does the benefit of the statement does not accrue to the prophet and does not accrue to God. And whether in hundreds of millions of people say sallallahu alaihi wasallam or or do not is not going to affect the fate of the prophet والسلام, in any way at the end. So, why is it that this invocation is made? And why is it that Allah commands the angels and the believers to make this invocation? It is in recognition of the fact that this is an exemplary character whose attributes is our gateway to Allah. And that when we make this invocation, we are in fact proclaiming a commitment. And that commitment is the centrality of the Prophet's example in our life very much like the Shahada in which you proclaim your commitment to God which we say in prayer all the time and the Salat Ibrahimiyya we are identifying, we are locating our persona, our character within a significant Anchor in 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 life. We are the people who recognize the blessing, the barakah, of the Prophet and his example. That is what it is. But it is, of course rather a strange notion that you recognize the barakah, the blessing of the Prophet only by recognizing his institutional history. And why is that? Because very few of us are going to be in the position of either a Khalifa or a leader or a judge or a teacher where the institutional history is going to be directly relevant. What is of far greater relevance to us individually is the personal history which is exhibited both in Mecca and Medina. However, in our contemporary books of Sira, we rather give short thrift to the period in Mecca. There's not much institutional history, so we gloss over it in a rather short span of time and move on to the period of Medina, which then has another rather sad and remarkable effect. And that is, because we imbue the institutional history, we absorb the institutional history, we fancy ourselves playing the institutional role without mastering the personal role. So that then you find jokers that want to take up, You find people who perceive themselves as Imams, Khatibs a juma, who want perceive themselves to be judges of source, Imams of sorts. as if our only identification with the persona of the Prophet is not in this institutional capacity. Look around you in mosques. Each one of us wants to play, or the, the, the majority of, of, of uh, people you find floating around mosques want to play, want to follow the example of the Prophet by playing this institutional role. And what then you end up with is a remarkably deformed prophet, you end up with imams that have nothing of the qualities of the Prophet You end up with teachers and leaders of halakas that have nothing of the character You end up with khatibs at Jum'ah that don't have the foggiest notion of what it means to belong to the Prophet You end up with people who are mini khalifas, like many leaders, mini-bosses. And so we end up with a society with all these midget-sized bosses running around, trying to play an institutional role which is not relevant to them. And what is relevant to them is completely abandoned as marginal and unimportant. This is another part of our disease in the contemporary age, another part of our illness, and yet We have the Prophet who lived in Mecca establishing the premises of this message, and the majority of his time that he existed in Medina existed in his personal history. And if you map up the percentage of his institutional history, you will find that it is a rather very small percentage of the sum total of his life. Furthermore, that the institutional history was not possible without the personal aspect. And the Quran and Allah describes this beautifully in saying what that if you were of a harsh character, in other words, that if it hadn't been for your character, if it hadn't been for your persona, this institutional edifice would not have been possible in the first place. But we forget this. We forget this. And we focus on the institutional history as the beginning and often as the end. So now, as I said, I, I, I had a hard time deciding on selections so I will share with you some, some of the traditions that bring us closer to an understanding of who this man, yeah we are if we are Muslims, are bound to personify and internalize, was... Okay. Here is one of the more... Um, beautiful descriptions. And there is much to reflect on here. That Al-Hussein the son of Ali Asked Ali to describe the Prophet on the social and he, this report is proceeding is proceeded with uh, a story that Al Hussein would um, would revel at his memory as a child with, with the Prophet. And that he, his joy in life is to hear descriptions from his father about the personality, the, the, the personal aspects of who the Prophet is. So he says, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to read it first in Arabic and then translate. It. دائم بشري سهم الخلط لين الجانب ليس بفض ولا غلي ولا صخاب ولا فحاش ولا عياب ولا مشاح يتغافل عما لا يشتهي ولا يؤيس منه منه راجية ولا يجيد فيه ولا يؤيس منه راجية ولا, ولا يجيب فيه قد ترك نفسه مِنْ ثلاث المراء والإكبار وما لا يعمل وترك الناس من ثلاث كان لا يذم أحدا ولا يعيبه ولا يطلب عورته ولا يَتَكَلَّمُ إلا فيما رجا ثوابه وإذا تكلم أطرق جلساؤه كأنما على رؤوسه الطيب فإذا سكت تكلموا لا تنازعون عنده الحديث ومن تكلم عنده أنصتوا ومن تكلم عنده له حتى يفرغ أو حتى يفرغ. حتى يطرغ حديثهم عند حديث أوله يضحك مما يضحكون منه ويتعجب مما يتعجبون منه ويصبر للغريب على الجفوة في منطقه ومسألته حتى إن كان أصحابه يستجببونه ويقول إذا رايت طالب حاجة يطلبها فارفضوه ولا يقبل الثناء الا منه كاف ولا يقطع على احد حديثه حتى يجوز فيقطعه بنهي او قيام Now let's take parts of this description Rasulullah دائم البشري سهل خلقي لين الجانبي لَيْسَ before وَلَا غليظ وَلَا صَحَّابٍ وَلَا فَحَّاشٍ وَلَا عَيَّابٍ وَلَا مشاح. He was constantly of an amicable disposition. In fact, And Bishri is someone who is faced on lights with a smile. And in fact, Ibn Jarir tells us that he converted to Islam in Mecca. And since his conversion to Islam, the Prophet would never run into him without smiling at him. And that Anas tells us that in his ten years of service with the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet would never run into him in his household without smiling at him. He would always flash a smile. سَلْمُونْ of amicable character, not a difficult person. A a, a, a person who is not sahru khuluk is a person who is difficult to be with because the, what is often said that wafu The Egyptians even still retain this, this word. And what that means is a person who is constantly offended, constantly... You, you constantly don't know how you're going to upset him next, offend him next. That is a person who is not sahibul khuluq, a person who is idiosyncratic in his sensitivity. So he's difficult to be. But the Prophet ﷺ was an easygoing person. A person who you did not feel you needed to walk on eggshells around. And what is remarkable about him is that. We don't find in the numerous books of Sira many occasions in which he is hurt by an unintentional word or a careless gesture. When he gets upset, it is after a persistent effort to disregard him, or not him, but to to do what is wrong. But in his own character, he is the person who is not. easily aggrieved, easily pissed off, easily annoyed. لَيُّنُّ What is Tender. Tender in his attitude towards people. لَيُّنُّ is a person who Tends to be kind, sentimental, but a not a weak type of sentimentality, but a kind type of type of sentimentality. A person who is whose heart easily melts, easily accepts, huh? When we say صَعَبُ الْجَانِبِ or غَلِيدُ الْجَانِبِ is a person who is rigid, not very flexible, not very prone to being easygoing in his life. ليس بفض ولا غليز ولا Not vulgar, not harsh, and ولا صخاب is a person who is always pissed off about something or another, upset about something or not. A person, and there is a difference, the, 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 in Arabic, there is a difference between a Sahab and a person who is a Ghadab. A Sahab is a person who is always annoyed or, or upset for an idiosyncratic, personal reason. So they get basically pissed off. They get rubbed the wrong way. A Ghadab is a person who is upset about a principle. A person who stands, and we have numerous reports that the Prophet would only be upset about a principle. not about an idiosyncratic sentimentality. وَلَا فَحَّاشْ وَلَا عَيَّاحْ وَلَا مُشَاحْ لَتَغَاطَ amma لَا
1: yashtak He
0: is not vulgar not rude, does not follow the faults of people. Ayyab is a person who is constantly recounting the faults of people. wala mushah not a person who is not a person that turns away, wi- in anger, from people. A, a is a person who you deal with and then suddenly they are upset, silent, and taken to, to themselves, in other words, they, they're, they, they're distant, and you say, what's wrong? A a typical moshah would be someone who would say, well, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. That's a moshah. A person who's constantly taken to abandoning the people he is with. Abandoning them emotionally because they stepped on his toe in one way or another. Now, do you see how hard it is when you actually talk about the persona of the Prophet? Because every time you say anything, you think about yourself. And you think, you know, in all the numerous ways that you personally, me, don't live up to this idea. And you feel that maybe I shouldn't be talking about it. Maybe I am not worth worthy enough to be talking about this. Maybe it's a form of hypocrisy to be talking about this. But the easy road is to take the institutional history because if if we don't, the honest thing to do is to talk about it and fully acknowledge your own shortcomings. Okay. يتغافل عما لا يشتهد ولا yisu منه هراجيا ولا يجيب فيه When he finds something that is upsetting to him He has a tendency to ignore it. Yataghafal amma la yashtahi is to pretend not to notice something that is personally, because it comes from the word shahwa, right? Is personally for personal reasons something that offends you or upsets you. There's a difference here from neglecting something that upsets you for a principle because you don't call it geshtek. it's not derived from the word channel. Shawa means what is what is a personal matter to you even if it is personal taste and so when he is confronted by something that is personally objectionable to him he ignores it Yata-ghafen means he pretends not to notice it pretend as if he didn't notice, it didn't come to his attention. This is of course consistent with a person who's easy to live with. The opposite of that is a person who will catch you for a slip of tongue. And I'll say, what did you say? No, what did you say? I want to w- repeat what you said. That is a person who is لَا عَمَّا لَا A person who would actually go after it, to corner it, and to revel in the misery. Meaning, when asked for something, he doesn't Respond with exaggerated hopes of fulfillment. He doesn't say, for example, "Do not, do not at all worry about this; it's done." He does not, in his capacity, do it because we have many incidents in which he gives the person what he can, and in fact, in some reports he goes as, in, in, in several reports, he goes as far, when he is asked for money, he goes as far as borrowing money to give it to the person. He's asked for money, and he doesn't have it, so he says, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. he say something like, Yasiru خَيْرًا inshaAllah, something good will happen. And he would proceed to borrow the money Often pawn properties and give the person the money. And the person, and one of the uh, one of the things that caused friction between him and his wives is that his wives didn't like that. They would say, we, you know, we, we have nothing, and you are borrowing money to give these people. Aren't we human beings too? And what is remarkable is his response at the beginning was to smile, but after the persistent nagging, he became sad and quiet, which ultimately led to the uh, to Allah intervening and saying okay listen enough is enough now this man is too polite to tell you how you're behaving and either you're going to show uh, uh, shape up or he's going to divorce you but his first response was to smile and not say anything sometimes we have a responding and, and I'm, so I'm hoping to, to review some of these reports with you I, I Xerox then in which he responds by saying they are people in need something as short as that in another report he says they are people in need and Allah is with that who is with in, 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 in the assistance of others and what is remarkable here is that we have reports of him borrowing money to give to the poor in the, when he was married to Khadija. Khadija tells him, why didn't you tell me? And he smiles and he says, Allah had solved it. Allah solved it. And he leaves it at that point. He doesn't tell Khadija, oh, you know, well, I don't touch your money. Because we know also that when the the boycott of the Muslims happened, Khadija became impoverished because she spent every single dime she had helping out all the, the Muslims. And we also know that he would ask his wives for sadaq. He would go to his wives and say, do you have anything to give? And he would be disappointed and saddened when the response would be whining, not kind-hearted, not generous, defiant, examples of responses in which he became sad, do we have anything to give? We don't, that's one response. Another response, do we have anything other than what you give us and you don't give us much? do I have enough to feed, do we have enough to feed ourselves? All of these responses did not elicit a smile from him, but he had become sad. And in several occasions he tells his wives, your devil has become your companion. Your devil is pressing on you. And we have numerous reports and I might uh, have time to read some of them with you. We have numerous reports in which both his wives and other Muslims would say (coughs) would say that the Prophet gave the giving of someone who did not fear poverty gave the giving of someone who did not think of tomorrow. And I will read inshallah some of the with you on that. And one obnoxious report is a man who, upon hearing this, he says, and I actually Xeroxed this report because I, I think it's, uh, it's an interesting one. It's a man who says, well, of course, he's a prophet. What does he have to worry about? He He's even going to, he's assured to enter heaven. And so the prophet, alayhi salatu salam, looks at him and says, how can you speak of what we do not know? How do you know I am assured of entering heaven. That is a remarkable character in itself. This is a prophet, and when he hears this, he doesn't smile contently. His response at the idea that, oh, well, yeah, you know, you're, you're of special status, is what? H- how can you speak in this fashion? You have no knowledge of it. And at the same time, he would not rule out the possibility of that. So that his comments to people is, I will try. InshaAllah, good will come. But at the same time, and at the same time, his response is not one of, no, I can't, sorry. Which is quite common among Muslims today. In our institutional history, we have become deformed deformities. It is quite common to approach a Muslim and and find that their response is an an, an unequivocal laying claim to their territory of dominance, which is over their property and their money, with insolence. It's as if, well, okay, I'm going to put the boundaries, and the boundaries are, no, can't, sorry, rather than feeling embarrassed about their inability to help or rather than feeling as if it is an entitled, they are it is an obligation upon them to help and feeling that their inability is something they should be they should apologize for and so when the prophet is even asked by the woman we read the hadith who complains to him about her husband and continues to argue with him, he doesn't tell her there is no solution, leave me alone. What he says is, I did not receive a revelation. I did not receive a revelation that can help you. In other words, even apologizing for his inability to alleviate her hardship by saying, I'm really sorry, but it's out of my hands. And if you consistently read the Seerah of the Prophet, you find that this is a, a persistent part of his character. He is never rough or decisive in his rejection or in his um personal dealings he is decisive when it comes to a principle but he doesn't tell his wives this is one of the things that struck me about all the times that he is very upset about their attitude about money is that he doesn't tell them listen I'm going to give money to the poor because this is my charge by Allah and I don't want to hear another word about it ever again. He is saddened for their state. He becomes sad. And even because it involves a matter of principle and not a matter of personal taste, he becomes withdrawn and quiet. Which ultimately leads to the abandonment, to the period of separation. Very unlike when his attitude towards his wives, when it involved personal matters. Very unlike when he would come home and find them doing things like making an agreement between themselves not to um, lay out a bed for him and tell him, well, we can't afford a comfortable bed. To, to, uh, they, they, uh, there, is, there are reports that, in order to emphasize the point, that he would come home and they would say, oh, well, there's nothing to eat except these dates. Well, what are we going to do? We don't have money. And he, he knew that it was Ultimately, at first, he was smiling at me, but ultimately, eventually, he cuts to the very point of the principle itself. And you find that when I deal with a a Muslim, and you find that the Muslim's response... Can I have another class? When you find that the Muslims' response to humanitarian requests is a decisive, non-communicative, non-explanatory... Sorry, I can't. I know that I'm dealing with someone who is far removed from the character and the personality of the Prophet. This is not the way that the Prophet turned away. But you find it very present. Okay. 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 مَنْ Okay. 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 مِنْ Okay. 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 وَلَا يَقْلُبُ عَوْرَتَهُ that he was he abandoned he ejected from himself three characteristics or cleansed from himself three characteristics المراء is dishonesty in dealing with people in order to obtain a favor or achieve their acceptance. And ikbar is arrogance. yani he wouldn't interfere with what was what did not concern him was not interested in meddling into the affairs of people. And he removed from people three things. He wouldn't um, not criticize and them is to blame. Of, of blame, it's but it, it's um dumb when you say someone is, is, is bad, it's, it's, um because the is is. Uh, well, I as mean, a That he would not... Can I... That he would not... He was not taken to blaming people, reprimanding people, censoring people, and following the faults of people. Which, again, is in remarkable and stark contrast to an attitude that we often see, that piety is often demonstrated in an ability to go around catching the faults of people. But we as we will see in some other reports, the Prophet ﷺ was not someone who Took particular pleasure or satisfaction in calling to people their faults. If there was a need, if there was a need, a real need, and you will find that he does what is expected of him. But his nature is one and we will read some of the, I, I picked some of uh, some reports that demonstrate this point, that it was not a pleasurable activity for him. And this is consistent with his personality as we were introduced to it before his prophecy, before he became a prophet and consistent was his nature. Non confrontational, rather introspective, prone to be withdrawn. Okay. When he spoke, he would speak about meaningful things. This reminds me, um, well, uh, once a person asked me, why is it that when we always meet, we only speak about Islam, can't we speak about other things? And of course, everything that is meaningful is part of Islam. But you find that the proclivities of the Prophet were quite clear in his conversations. We are struck by the fact that during his marriage to Khadijah, before he became a prophet, and after he became after his calling to the prophecy, and in Medina he is not inclined towards discussions about business. Not that these discussions are sinful or haram or anything like that. But they have their necessity. And he does engage in them when there is the necessity. But his inclinations are towards discussions or conversations whose point you can identify. So that if you read about any account of a conversation with the Prophet, you find that there was a point and very few, extremely few of these conversations are about how he is agreed. Which is one of the things that early on struck me about his personality, this is someone who is, has a hard time with non-Muslims in Mecca, and has a very hard time with the hypocrites in Medina, and has a hard time with the, um, the roughness of the character of some of his followers sort of the rough, vulgar, harsh character of Bedouin Arabia and has a hard time with people understanding his attitude towards money and towards enjoyments in life. And yet, when he talks, he talks by saying, why is it that I see some people do such and such? This is this was his way of identifying what is wrong. So his constant expression is, Why is it that I see people do such and such? And he would say something like, Why is it that I see some people who love their money more than they love the cause of God? Or why is it that I see that there are people who don't respect the rights of the road, Or why is it that I see some people who use their children and families as an excuse to escape jihad? Or why is it that I see some people not listen to the word of God and Consistently, the companions would say, we knew that he intended one of us. But his character, his personality, was not such that he would say, I intend such and such. From the context, there would be guesses about who is the intended person or group of persons. And consequently, we find that this is one of the reasons for the disagreements about the occasions for certain speeches or talks or statements of the Prophet had made. Because he would say, why is it that some people, and then people would say, no, no, he meant this other person, no, he said, no, he meant this, no, he meant me people in their tendency is to want to personalize pers- personalize, and individualize and take to the pedantic and petty and mundane level the statements of the Prophet, so that a statement of principle is not dealt with by elevating yourself to the principle, but by taking it to your, down to your level and saying, okay, well, who was he talking about? As if, that makes no difference, as if that, if he meant you, then it's one thing, but if he meant someone else, it's one thing, rather than focusing on the principle, the morality itself. And consequently, you would find that there are numerous reports concerning who did he mean and who did he not mean and so on and the Prophet would not even tell his wives his wives there are numerous reports again that his wives would say, when you said such and such, did you mean such and such? and he would become uncomfortable show discomfort in being asked about who the intended person or persons were. If he spoke, people would become very silent, enjoying the beauty of his speech. But if he had nothing to say, and he would, again, symptomatic of the personality that we met already before the beginning of the revelation, in even in his upbringing. Now, here is a difference in the personality and a part of his transformation, is that he, and, and, and this is a rather one of these sort of things that struck me about his personality. Here's He doesn't abandon his practice of introspection and isolation. But what he does is he tacks it on, he adds it. So that we hear reports, we we read the reports, that he would sleep very little. That after spending the time sitting in these social gatherings, would start his own personal time with Allah that he continuously, continuously insisted on. And I was going to read with you inshallah some of the reports about that. And when he is with people, he would remain silent for long periods of time and share their conversations with smiles and short comments. But then when he spoke, he would speak meaningfully and people became silent. فَإِذَا سَكَتْ تَكَلَّمُوا لَا يَتَنَازَعُونَ عِنْدَهُ الْحَدِيثِ When he was silent, People would speak, but part of the beauty that he emitted was our innate understanding of the ugliness of speaking over each other. And since people refrained and were ashamed of exhibiting this ugliness in his presence, You would find that while we do have reports of a bit of hubris outside his presence, in his presence, people would not cut each other off, they would be on their best behavior. But what that means, and we will see in situations where people actually start cutting him off, and how he deals with that. But what that meant was that this, the hubris of people speaking over each other, cutting each other off, is an unacceptable personality trait. But, you again in our emphasis on institutional history, we find that this is quite a common practice. The, the, the tendency to cut a person off, except in a situation which we I will show you inside. Now so, وَمَن تَكَلَّمَ عِنْدَهُ أَنْصَتْهُ حَتَّى يَفْرُخُ Whoever speaks in, at the presence of the Prophet, everyone would, would listen until the man stops, until the, the person would stop. Okay. حَدِيثُهُمْ عنده حديث أولهم يضحق مما يضحقون منه ويتعجب مما يتعجبون منه ويصر The topic of the conversation with him is the topic of the conversation as it began in his presence. Meaning what? He didn't change the subject. He change the subject. He wouldn't usurp the conversation. The conversation would start, and he does what? يضحكو مِنَّا يضحكون منه. He would share with them and laugh. Laugh as they laugh. And when يتعجب when they are surprised, or they are, is like an exclamation, like saying, ooh, do you believe that? And he would be surprised as well, share with them in their exclamations. So in other words, he is an interactive participant, but in, if you start, forming a, a, a mental image of his participation you would start seeing him sitting quietly smiling, you know he's, he's alert, but he's not very keen about jumping in not very keen about usurping the conversation, not very keen about cutting people off he listens to what is going on, but when he speaks he's rather very purposeful and tentative, I mean purposeful and, and, and meaningful in what he says and respects the occasionality of the conversation. He is patient with people in offensiveness in the way a question is asked or something is stated. In other words, this is a man with Arabia and we will see some inshallah some of the reports on this who is in a harsh, rough culture that is rather impolite. I mean, even their, their swear words. If you look at the swear words of Arabs at the time of the Prophet they're, they're really harsh. It means what? May your mother lose you. These are harsh curses, their curses were not gentle curses, and we will see traditions of this types of harshness when it manifests itself, and he is patient with them. But it also calls to attention the inexcusability of our insolence In this society, in other words, Islam was revealed in a society not in a society that did not come with a protocol of proper behavior, and it was revealed in a society that was often insolent. And the fact that we persist on our insolence is as reprehensible. As the persistence on insolence at the time of the Prophet. So, in other words, it, 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 it indicates the relevance of this moral paradigm to us. Okay. لا حتى ان كان اصحابه يستجلبونه ويقول اذا رايتم طالب حاجة يطلبها فرفضوه هو النموذج I don't know why the confusion? Because Rafada means to reject. Rafada means to give. Now, this is, uh, I found it in music translation. And the person who translated this to English translated it as reject. So,
1: yeah.
0: That was my perspective. So, SubhanAllah, your, your name is uh, Muhammad bin Abdul-Rahman Ibrahim
1: That's
0: the name they write uh, <laughs> okay. okay So He would be kind Or he would be patient With the rudeness or insolence even when his companions are protesting it. And we will see examples of that. I pulled out some demonstrations from the sunnah of that. And he would say that if you find someone who is requesting help, asking for something, do your best. Farfudu means granted, but it is, it is, it, it is it indicates a continuous motion. In other words, be in his service, or be in his, uh, in providing something to him. وَلَا يَقْبَلُ الثَّنَاء إِلَّا وَلَا يَقْطَعْ عَلَىٰ أَحَدْ حَدِيثَهُ حَتَّى يجوز وَيَقْطَعُهُ بِنَهْيٍ أَوْ قِيَابٍ Now here, so, he would not accept praise except from you people that he considered to be, bo- uh, um, here mukafe doesn't mean equal in worth, but it means of an acceptable status too. Meaning that he would accept praise from his close companions and his wives. But he was very uncomfortable with praise from people who were more distant, who were not close. Huh?
1: He would there are many
0: reports of him blushing. There are many reports in which he would say La Patarumi, book phrase. Me. Now interestingly, when the close companions like Abu Bakr come and express words of love to him and say the who are I, I love you more than I love my mother and father. When they would come and say, "I love you more than I love myself," as Omar came up to him and said, "I love you more than I love myself." When they would come and say, "When, when I am with you, I am in happiness, and when I leave you, I miss you," he would he would smile. He would smile, but when it came to praise at a more distant level, the type of praise which can equally degrade into a form of flattery, then he would either say, "Don't praise me," or he would blush and say nothing, or he would say, "La La'alaik means, by our idiom today, don't worry about it. It's okay. Don't worry. About it. Depending on the depending depending on the context. So when a man praised him by calling him the king of his of the universe, his his response was, don't praise. Him. When a man praised them by, by, this is a family that came to him, um, after, um, yeah, after Khazmah Pani Khuraida, this is after the Mecca was, 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 uh, was, uh, no, 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 no. Um, And a man came to him complaining that his family uh, was in a bad shape. No, I'm sorry. His the woman came to him complaining that her family was in a in a bad shape and that her husband had died <laughs> some time ago and that she was in, in, in dire need so he loaded up two donkeys with provisions and other things and gave her the uh, two and he loaded them up from the one-fifth that he took from any booty in battle to give to the poor. She was shocked at it and she responded that you you give you you give without reserve. You give without holding back. And I actually think I Xeroxed this report. I'm not sure if I decided against it Xerox Um and then she says to him, "You have saved our life." Because he also tells her when when the two donkey provisions are about to, to expire, to finish, come back and I will give you more. And his response to this is don't pra- is not don't praise me. His response to this is don't worry about Nali. Don't, don't worry, Nali, sort of the equivalent to say, oh, forget it, forget it, Come to mind. Okay. So this is his attitude towards issue And he wouldn't cut people off when they spoke. Except in two situations. Oh, sorry except when this person would transcend the bounds with him. And transcend the bounds, as we will see in reports, doesn't mean they are personally offensive, but they have now offended the principle the fundamental principle, or an ethic, or a morality, or an issue of right and wrong. And at that time, he would cut the person off either by meaning either by telling them, okay, stop, or by getting up and leaving. So, and the description of Ali to Al-Hussein ends at this point. But what is notable here, one, is the fullness of the description in its view. But two, is that Ali focuses in on a very personal history. He doesn't explain, he doesn't focus on, was Hussein, on aspects that would be idiosyncratic nor aspects that are official and institutional, but on the actual personal aspect that affects his interactions with people, his dynamics with people, the way he impacts upon people and people impact upon him. Okay. the guys tired? yeah load type here let's let's uh, let's start putting some examples i'm going to just because
1: I just want you to know where you're at. You need
0: a break. No, no, let's, let's uh, go on a bit longer. Okay, let's, uh, I want now, uh, what, what I'm going to do is I'm, because I'm, I really agonized for a very long time about what to present and what not to present, Um So I am go- what I'm going to do is I'm going to just go through reports not thematically as much as demonstratively, from specific selections. So I want to f- I finish the, um, the examples from this book and then move on to other selections. Okay. let um, take uh, this, this following report. An Anas bin Marek. And now, عنده رجل به أطار قال Rasulullah رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يكاد يواجه أحدا بشيء فلما قام للقوم لو كنتم له هذه What this tradition says on Anas is that a man came and sat with the prophet Sofra could mean two things. Sofra could mean a disease, cause illness, or it could mean a wearing yellow, a flashy yellow robe, sort of like the the 60s colors, (laughs) sort of shock your eye. And here, From the context, we understand that this man was wearing a flashy yellow robe. Why? Because the Prophet told them if the man would would not keep the Sufa, which means uh, that it couldn't have been a disease. So now what is fascinating about this report by the way, should I read them in Arabic first? Yes. Okay. What Anas says is that the Prophet, this man came and sat with his flashy dress, shocking the the, the odds. And the Prophet Ya can do mean in that he nearly didn't confront any person with what he found. As this he, in other words, he would not embarrass people. He would not put them on the spot. And. When the man left, he said to his friends, perhaps you should suggest to this man to not wear this flashy yellow robe. Now, this report speaks for itself, but it also speaks volumes. He is, again, we see his, his nature in this. This is not someone who uh, takes satisfaction in his position of authority or on drawing the lines and the boundaries for people. And in fact, in numerous reports, his tendency is to send someone to tell someone something. So he's often, when he wants someone to to be told that they're doing something wrong or unacceptable, he asks one of his wives quite frequently, he asks one of his family members, we have Ali who is asked frequently or he asks one of the very close companions and sometimes he asks one of the companions who are of the lesser staffs depending on the situation and one notices that it often depended on the person and their timidity he rarely and we'll read some reports that are relevant to this, he rarely sends Omar.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he rarely hear. sends Omar. Now, this, again, what we are interested in is not the stories, in understanding the personality of the, this, this lovely, beautiful man. This is someone who's not doesn't get off, as some people do, by telling you what you've done wrong. This is not someone who revels in watching you squirm. And this is someone who prefers the gentle, even indirect, Direction over the harsh reproachment. Consistent with this report is one that I'm sure most of you have heard: that An' Aisha, Rasulullah. صلى الله عليه وسلم بيده شيء عن قط إلا أن يجاهد في سبيل الله ولا ضرب خادما ولا إمرأة The Prophet ﷺ never struck anyone with his hand except in the context of jihad. not a servant and not a woman consistent again with his gentleness of character And in fact, we find that even physical violence in jest is something that so we have no reports of him wrestling. He doesn't prohibit people to wrestling. And in fact, he watches it at times. But one thing that struck me about his reports with him watching wrestling is that he seems to get bored very quickly. And the one who is always insisting on watching more is Aisha
1: or another